Thank you, worship team. That was very, very cool. Well, uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you all had a good one. My four-year-old grandson got a real hammer. He, he, you know it. Every four-year-old needs a real hammer. Well, he does anyway. He was very specific at two that he needed a leaf blower, and he got one. So I like to think that by the time he's 18, he will be ready and fit for everything. So uh, here we are in Luke, uh, in the book of Luke, and um, I've not been up here during this series. Uh, and now I'm nervous because I got Stu sitting in front of me. I don't know <laughs> what to do. But um, so I'm just going to jump right in and read the first part of the passage, which um, Luke chapter eight. In your bulletin, it says verses one through twenty-one, but I'm going to skip the first three just because I can and because I'm up against a time crunch. So. We're going to start by reading the beginning of this parable. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Will you pray with me? Father God, it is true that we are free. Because of Christ, we are free. Because death has been arrested, and in Him our life has begun. True life, real life, eternal life. And we just pray today as we read these words that uh, you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says this a lot, uh, this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. What does he mean by that? I like to think he's kind of saying, are you ready for this? Can 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 you hear this, what I'm saying? Because although everyone has ears, not everyone has ears to hear. Not everyone is ready to hear or able to hear. You know, if you if you um, you hear someone speaking a foreign language, it's unintelligible to you. It's just sounds. It's just sounds. Has no meaning. You don't know what they're asking you. You don't know what they're talking about. You don't know what they want you to do. You know can't get anything through to them, and you can't understand a word they're saying because you don't have ears to hear it. How do you, how do you get to a place where you can hear the language? Well, you have to spend time with it. You have to get close to it. 
be great to put yourself in a place where they speak the language and spend some time there. And it's good to study, pull it apart, think about it, spend time with it. Well, the disciples had thrown in their lot with Jesus, and especially the twelve, who um, had left everything, left home, family, jobs, whatever they had. They had left it because they had seen Jesus and heard him say things, and they wanted to be as close to him as they possibly could get. So they gave up everything and followed him. And uh, so he tells them this parable, and they don't know what he's talking about. Unintelligible. So they ask him what it means, and he tells them. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes up and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, very often, this passage is one that that, uh, factors into the controversy that often rages around whether or not someone who is saved, who has believed the word and is saved, can then somehow lose that salvation. Seems reasonable. I mean, he's talking about some can't be saved and others fall away, all that kind of stuff. So probably the only one that's the Christian is the last one, right? You know. Well, salvation is a complicated thing. It's very simple to believe. A child can believe. But what happens when we believe, that's complicated. And what happens after we believe, that's complicated. So I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to go there. If you thought I was, sorry to disappoint you. I'm not going to spend my time worrying about that because, not just because Stu's here, but because better minds, better minds than mine, better minds certainly than most of yours, um, have wrestled with this and come up wanting. And, and, And people do not disagree, so what the heck. Let's forget about that and go on and and look at the more obvious thing that Jesus is telling us. What is the passage really about? Uh, Oftentimes, probably in your Bible, it may have a little heading that says the parable of the sower or the parable of the sower and the seed, which is all wrong. Sorry, it's one of those things where, you know, they need to check with me first. Most things are like that. Um, Is this about the sower? We know almost nothing about him. He's a farmer. Well, what'd you think? It's not really about him. Is it about the seed? Are we talking about seed quality here? Well, I mean, not all the seed that got sown comes up. But Jesus 
says here that the seed is the word of God. This is not really about the seed. It's not saying some of the seed was good seed and some of the seed was bad seed. And if the seed is the word of God, in 2 Timothy, Paul says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And why? So that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly prepared for all good works. So, at least, at the very least, the purpose of Scripture is to make us capable of good works. To make us like Jesus, who spent his time doing good works, right? I mean, what did Jesus do while he was here in, in his earthly ministry? He, he pretty much did three things. He preached about the kingdom, which was, which is... A future time, place, space where righteousness will reign, where mercy and justice are the norm. Goodness is the norm. Joy, all of that is the norm in the kingdom. And Jesus then demonstrated what that looked like by... uh, by performing acts, good works, acts of, of healing and, and restoring forgiveness and, and showing mercy and encouraging and teaching, loving people, showing what the kingdom would, will be like. And then the third thing he did was he spent time gathering people around him and teaching them about that and how to do that so that he reproduced himself and there were others who could then go out and reproduce themselves in behaving like the kingdom in order to produce a crop he was he was producing a crop that was going to produce more a hundred times more or more so this passage is not about the quality of the seed This passage is about the quality of the soil. It's about what happens when the soil that the seed is sown into has the appropriate and necessary elements to receive the seed and produce a crop. I mean, let's, let's pull the passage apart quickly here. The seed on the path. Now, the path is is... The roadway, it wasn't a concrete road. It was a dirt path probably in those days. People walked on the dirt path, and they walked there for a long time. A lot of people, donkeys, carts, whatever you have, you know. And and eventually that, that dirt is so solid, nothing can penetrate it. So when the seed falls on it, it just sits there. It doesn't go anywhere gets trampled on by more people walking, and birds come and eat it, but it can't produce anything. Then there's a seed on the rocky ground. Now, it's interesting that, that Jesus said, that's the only one of the three or the four that Jesus says they can't believe when the seed cannot penetrate at all. 
But in the second one, the seed on rocky ground, you notice that the seed does germinate. It sprouts. It just fails to produce a crop because it doesn't get adequate moisture. It doesn't have enough soil. It doesn't, isn't fed adequately. It produces something, but that something withers, he says, when the time of testing comes. They re- he says that they receive it with joy, but they wither, fall away when the time of testing comes. I think about Peter. When I hear that, I think about Peter who received the word with joy. He followed Jesus. He, he gave his life to him, and he swore with passion that he would die for him. And within hours of saying, I will die for you, Peter, because some servant girl, talk about the low end of the spectrum in that society, a female and a servant, just suggests that he must have known Jesus and he withers. Now, I'm not going to go into whether or not he lost his salvation at that moment. But he withered. Then there's the seed among the thorns. Again, this seed germinates, sprouts, something comes up, it's growing, but there's all kinds of weeds and they choke the plant before it can really produce a crop. Now, um, do you know any immature Christians? Ed, thank you for volunteering. (laughs) Anyone else? I know dozens. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but, but there are immature Christians, aren't there? And there's a difference between immaturity and unbelief. Whatever the level of maturity we are all at at this moment, we know that we all have weeds. We all have things that are choking us. Responsibilities, mortgages, you got kids, you got problems. <laughs> they just suck the time out of you. <laughs> and grandkids are no better. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, I love them. But, but those things distract us from, from seeing Jesus. They distract us from hearing the word and, and, and having it really produce anything if we're too choked off with the stuff of life. I, I'm, a, I'm a collector. I collect stuff. You give me two of anything, and I start a collection. I had a collection of armadillos. I still have them. They're out in a box. I, I, I worry about, should I throw them out? All the armadillos, they cost me so much over time. I had like 40 armadillos. I... I Guitars. I can spend all night on on online just scrolling through. Oh boy, I wish I had that guitar. Oh, what if I had that one? Well, maybe I could get both. And I mean, <laughs> and then I got to figure out where am I got to put all these guitars? I got a whole line. It's I got to dust the shelf that the stuff is on. I mean, it's all there's just, and I don't have that one. I wish I had that one because I have this one. But you really need both of them to have a set and. I'm not actually maturing during that process. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing other things. The weeds. And the final instance is the seed falling on good soil. The soil has the right elements. 
to receive the seed, to nourish it, to give it what's necessary for growth. So this is the soil that metaphorically has ears to hear. It can take the seed in and do something with it. Jesus says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And the seed is sown for that purpose, right? I mean, seed is sown to produce a crop. There's no other reason to sow seed at all. Nobody plants a garden just so they can see that there's seed in the ground. They expect plants to come up. They expect something, you know, fruit, something, crops, produce, something. So when the seed falls on soil that has been prepared with the necessary elements, that can happen. It produces a crop. It, it reproduces itself. It blesses others. It, it, it creates more seed so that more plants can be grown. At the very least, what Jesus is saying in this passage to us is that if we have a heart prepared to receive the word of God, then we can produce a crop. Whether we produce that crop depends on how well prepared the soil is. It really does. So I'm going to ask you today, are you good soil? Do you have ears to hear? I'm here to tell you that if you are a believer, you do have those things. You have ears to hear because God has given you them. Because he's put Jesus in you. If you believe, then you are in him and he is in you. And if he is in you, if Jesus is resident in you, and if the seed coming at you, the word of God, we know Jesus is the word of God. So if Jesus is coming in and Jesus is already there, it's going to be received. There is soil. But there are rocks. And those rocks can be really deeply embedded. Right? Early traumas. I had a pain. I don't want to go way off track here, but I had a pain for years and years. When I would get nervous, I had this pain right here. Just the same spot always. And then I went to someone who does PTSD therapy stuff. And as we were doing it, I, it's, for some reason, I, I started talking about this accident that my parents had when I was 18 months old. I don't remember it. I don't remember anything about it. But it was a, I was in the car, and I went over the back seat into the front seat. I could have gone through the windshield. All I know is my mom and dad were in the hospital for a couple of months. I was living with who knows who, somebody. And after that session, I never felt that pain again. And I felt it my entire life. I'm 66 years old. This happened five years ago. 60 years, 59, whatever. I felt that pain. It's gone. I have not felt it since. That was so deeply embedded. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know anything. There's stuff in you that you don't know what it is, but it's, it, it gets in the way of, of the seed going in and penetrating 
and, and taking root. That's true for all of us. We all have weeds. We all have doubts and fears and responsibilities and all those things. We all have that. In fact, of these four things, I, I truly believe that all four of them apply to us as Christians because I think even the first one, I'm sorry, there are aspects of, Christ, of, 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 of truth. There are aspects of truth that I am unable at this point in my maturity, unable to receive. I'm sure of it. Probably that's true for you too. That some truth comes to me and it falls on ground so hard it cannot go in. It not only doesn't sprout, it can't even start to go in. And only a monsoon can wet that ground down enough to soften it enough for the seed to go in. And believe me, God is capable of bringing a monsoon in your life. He has brought them in mine, and he's brought them in many of yours, monsoon. And, and, and the thing to know about that, that storm that God brings is his grace to you. It is his grace to you because he wants you to be able to receive the word. He wants you to be able to take it in. He wants it to germinate. He wants it to take root. He wants that for you. It is for your best. And sometimes the only way is, is for hard, hard, hard things to come at you, to break up the ground. It's not because he's abandoned you. It's not because he has it out for you. It is because he loves you and wants you to be able to take in everything he's got. So, so this, this parable, every bit of it is for our good. Every bit of it applies to us. Now, here's what's going to happen. In, in the next section of Luke that follows this, Jesus is going to demonstrate power in four ways. He's going to calm the storm. He's going to restore a, a demon-possessed man to sanity. He's going to uh, heal a, a woman and uh, raise a young girl who died to life. Now, you think about what would it take for me to have a perfect life, absolute joyful existence, no problems. Those four might cover it. You think about it. What if you could control nature? Christmas time, you want a blanket of snow in your front yard? Boom, you got it. You're out on the boat with the fam, a little storm comes up, boom, calm down. A little hot in Phoenix in the summer? Sure. Need a cool breeze? There it is. What if you could control nature? What if, okay, if you could control nature, you're still going to have problems because there's people involved. So, okay, people. There are people with mental problems. Every one of us has a little something. Every one of us. But, but look, we're in a society right now. You cannot go out that door and not find them. We don't have to go to Hitler and Branch Davidians and school shooters. Just walk outside. Go 
in, get in your car, drive down the street, somebody's going to be there with a sign, and half of those people are mentally ill. What if you could go up to one of those people and just heal their mind? And whatever that cloud is just lifts and goes away, and they're clear, and they look at you with clarity. What if you could do that? What difference would that make in this world? What if, okay, and then there's physical ailments. Many of us remember Mark Wenzel, who died of ALS. What if you could just heal that? What if somebody born blind, boom. Somebody couldn't walk from birth, boom. What if you had that power? What if you had the power when someone dies to lift them up, raise them up? What's left? I don't know what's left. If you could do those four things, well, guess what? You can't, but Jesus can. He does it in Luke. He does it. It's recorded. You can read about it. Jesus has that power. And and we are in him and he is in us. So we're darn close. Now, how do we get even closer? How do we get close to that power? How do we get right in there? That's the issue. That's the real issue. And between this parable and that demonstration of power in this book, there's a little sliver of narrative that kind of goes, doesn't really go with either one. It seems like Luke just had an extra little thing. I'll slip it in here. Because it says, then his mother and his brothers came to him. This is verses 19 and 21. His mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told to him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Now, think of, you're the mom. Hey, you, you come up, there, there's a crowd, you want to get to your boy. Hey, I'm, I'm his mother. Let me through. And the brothers are behind there. Yeah, this is our mom. Let her. He's our brother. But who, what does Jesus say? How do, who can claim kinship with Jesus? He says, those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Nobody closer to him than those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And I think, wow, okay, how do I do that? Okay, duh. I've got 16 Bibles in my house. Maybe I should read one. Maybe I've got it online. I don't even have I can flip my Mac. It's right there. Read it. Spend time with it. If you're going to learn Italian, you've got to spend a little time. You're going to get close to Jesus. Spend a little time with the Word of God. Maybe I, maybe I could turn off Netflix for a minute and just be quiet. Just be quiet and hear his voice. Hear him speak to me. Hear what he's trying to say. Maybe I could gather with other believers. And when I go down, they lift me up because they know the same truth I know. And they, we're supporting one another. Maybe that's one way. 
And I would hear the Word of God at those crucial moments. And then put it into practice. You know, I, I, I showed up this morning. The coffee cart is already out over there at the kids' area. There's a little thing with the computer screen. They're ready for kids to arrive. Somebody got here earlier than me and set all that up. Just a little service to the body. Someone took it on themselves. Say, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll serve my brothers that way. There's, there's my wife, she's not here, so I can say this. My wife keeps little, little bars of like, you know, granola bars and stuff in the car so that when she pulls up to the corner and this guy with the sign is there, she doesn't have to pretend that he doesn't exist. She can hand him one of those and give him some food and honor him for that moment as a real human being. Put it into practice. There's a, a class. You heard about it. Uh, there's a class coming up Thursday nights. Starts in January. Um, generous justice. And it, it's a class about God's heart for the poor. God's heart for the disenfranchised, the hurting, the, the, the stranger, the immigrant. What does God feel about them? What does he say to us about him? What is the word of God telling us? What is the seed that's trying to be planted in us about those people? And can I go to that class? Yes, I can sign up and go to that class. And can I then spend time with other believers who read the word of God and find out what he's saying and, and, and think, well, what does this mean? And wrestle with it together. Maybe you could do that. Maybe I could do that. Well, I'm going to do that. I already got signed up. So come and join us. (laughs) But the book of James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It's not just taking in the seed. Jesus said, those who are closest to him, closest to that source of power that will change everything, is to hear the word of God and put it into practice. Now, Eventually, in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus is going to tell us this. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. This is tied to the passage where he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place for us where we who believe will be with him for eternity. And apparently... We will be doing greater works than these. Greater works than controlling nature, healing the mind, healing the body, having victory over death. We're going to do greater things. I don't know what that means. But Jesus is the doorway into it. So, so in a way, putting it into practice is like showing up for dress rehearsal. You know? It's like... like, um, You get to put on the costume and walk around in the kingdom a little bit as if it were real, which it is. So so putting it into practice, hearing the word of God, put it into practice. How do we get... I know you ask it all the time. I ask it all the time. Lord, how can I be closer to you? How do we get as close to Jesus as we can possibly get? Well, listen to his words. He says, hear the word of God. 
and put it into practice. 